0: Welcome to the Boss Lady Podcast. This is Al Smith with Teresa Rand of Teresa Rand Consulting, and our head boss lady. I never know quite how to say that, Teresa. Head boss lady, leader of boss lady. I don't care,
1: whatever. My good friend. It, it, it com- that, I there like you that go. I like that. What do you say, Bobby? You did something different. I don't know.
2: It probably was something like number one stunner. <laughs> Original game.
0: Oh, Just keep gangster. talking, keep talking, oh, yeah. whatever. Oh, I boy. don't.
1: Well, I should. I won't say I don't care how you introduce me. I do yes, care. You
0: but care. so yes. far,
1: you so, haven't done anything have done, okay. that made me okay. go okay. cut. <laughs>
0: yeah, back up a little bit. <laughs> So,
1: two weeks in a row, you've shown up to work
0: out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he was out for it two turned weeks. turned into a
0: real gig here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and now he's back. So, yes. again, we're glad to have
0: you yes, back. It's good to be back.
1: And we have a guest on for the second time in a yes. row. Same guest, and two times in a row. And it's a man. He broke. What did he say? He said, "We just keep breaking those glass ceilings." Yeah, so exactly. I was like, "Really? Don't push yeah, it, buddy." It's like what he said. Don't. That, like, you know don't, you're talking to. Don't here. push it. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: Well, I have to say, Teresa, the um, and this is totally off the cuff, and you didn't know I'm going to say this, but it's like, you know, you wanted more women in, in the political world, and we got them. We
1: got them. Woo. Well, both ends
0: are uh, sometimes making a lot of you noise. you want the right
1: women, and sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. We got a little bit of both.
0: Making a lot of noise, you know,
1: just because they're women doesn't mean they're right. Well,
0: Did course. I say that well, out loud? Yeah. Did <laughs> Bobby record get that? Mark that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, cut. That'll be in the blooper <laughs> yeah. section. Yes. But that, you know, and you've heard you guys. Have heard no, it's me. just interesting. You guys have heard me say that. No, it's just
0: as somebody who follows politics pretty closely. You know, it's it's interesting um women have really it, it's in the last two cycles so uh, obviously we have a yep uh, a woman vice president right. and then we have a woman speaker of the house i mean two of the top four yeah, positions exactly. right now are women right and uh, both ends the extremes on both ends in my opinion yes have have the the mouthpiece of both ladies, extreme yeah. Yeah, totally. extremes yeah, exactly. are, are, are women and yeah. So how does that play and then how do they how well do they play with each other and how yeah. does or not play with each other or you know what i mean how how yeah. they get along how they how this is processed through it's just interesting yeah. to me
1: and i think what it fascinates me is just that i think we are somewhat over that hurdle of it being the first you know i always yeah. say it's we've made it when we have to stop saying it's the first woman to do whatever right. you know so just to see that and, and we talk about it in race, just to see somebody that looks like me be able to do that. You know, right. I don't want to see all black people. I don't want to see all men. I don't want to see all women. I want diversity. And I think all of us want that. But the other question I'm often asked is if there's a man and a woman running for a race, do you automatically vote for the woman? And the first time somebody asked me that, I was a little bit offended. Right. I was like, well, no. I mean, I want to research them. There are women I would not vote for. There are women I did not vote for. Right. So it bothered me that someone would not even think to ask that question. But I'm glad they did because I was able to say no. That's that's I don't vote for you just because you're a female. Yeah, yeah, but I
0: think there's a lot, I think there's a fair amount of proof out there that that is what's happening in a lot of cases. Yeah. Given that, given a, that, you know that that you feel the person's qualified enough and feel like they're belief in what you believe enough that you're that you're leaning towards i don't think we've i don't think in this community we have um elected a man as a judge that ran against a woman and
1: yeah
0: yeah it's just a fact like
1: actually it was one of the judges races that somebody asked me that now that you say that yeah Yeah, now the story's coming back to me as to why it it was. It it sure was. It's local judges, yes. But I was like, uh, because somebody—that's why I was offended. They called and said we heard that you only vote for women, and I was like, well, I don't know who you're talking to, but I'm glad you had, you know, the wherewithal to call and ask me how I, you know, handle my voting. But but I think
0: you know my daughter, who's now 33, is you know was. Was class president, uh, you know, of her high school class when she was eighteen, and I think, I think, that was true three years. The three years she was in yeah. high school, and and I think it went on after that. I don't I lost touch with yeah. high school right yeah. now, but, um, and I make that point because that's that's where those things kind of get yeah, started. Absolutely, you, know, you got to start and, somewhere, and wanting to do that and ascending to that, right. and and boys yeah. and men just. Maybe not as much, yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. It's kind of interesting to me. It's hard to say why. But
1: we do, we, you know, we also have people that only vote for Republicans, only vote for Democrats yeah, no matter what. So, you know. Oh, yeah, so, we're dug
0: in pretty hard yeah, these days. Yeah, <laughs> you're
1: not kidding. Harder than I think I've ever seen it. Yeah, but, that's but, a whole yeah. other part of it. But So lots of fun things on a lighter note. Yes. Coming up with Boss Lady, with the Private Career Cultivators Facebook page. You can find everything that we're doing that's going on on TeresaRandConsulting.com. So look it up, pick out what you like, show up, sign up. Uh, But the biggest thing is we have a Boss Lady Retreat, the first one coming up at beautiful Daytona Beach, September 10th through the 12th. So I'm excited about this because we were supposed to have it last year for obvious reasons we didn't. And we're expecting a nice number of women to spend the weekend together. And I've already got some speakers lined up so we'll be having those speakers on future podcasts here in the next few weeks. And uh, to wet everybody's appetite, not that you need much to have an excuse to come to Daytona Beach. Right. And the hotel's right on the ocean, the plaza, nice. plaza, shores, and resort. Very so, nice. Can't wait.
0: You know, another thing, I always think about when I all the conferences I've been to over the years. And I, I can relate them to also concerts I've been to. Mm, the, of course right, you, it's you can. Like, of course I can. <laughs> So there's two things about that. One is that speakers are great, and they, what they do, though, for the most part, is they initiate conversation. Right? They initiate uh, whatever the subject matter there is, or whatever. Um, as we'll talk later today, how important it is to, right. to get across what it is you're doing. So that gets conversation. Right? That gets people energized mm-hmm. and talking amongst themselves, and you get to know people you didn't know. Right? And then the second part of that is you. You, you, you know, that you, you'll see a list of speakers and then you'll go, just like a list of bands. You go, I never heard of that band. And they'll end up your favorite speaker. It's yeah. like your favorite band right. or somebody you never heard right. of.
1: Conferences are just, and one of the things we're going to build into that, um, that goes with that conversation is we're going to have speakers, but we're going to ask every speaker not to speak for an hour. They maybe speak 30, 40 minutes, have a few questions, but we're going to be sitting at tables Uh-oh. so that each speaker We'll stop talking, and there'll be breakouts where at your table where you can have a conversation yeah. about what you just heard. Yeah. So um, I'm really looking forward to that and to the concept. And um, so join us. Yes. There's not a place to sign up yet. Just mark the calendar September 10th through 12th, and hopefully within the next week or so there'll be a place to sign up
0: and go to tricerangconsulting.com yes, to thank see you. more of all the stuff. And then too, got this is on. where
1: I'm always, but my friends get aggravated with me because i always forget to tell you to subscribe to the podcast and review it subscribe and review there you go jennifer darlin and anna who are always tell me you haven't done that so yes there we go please just i did it help us out yeah
0: it only takes a second i I do that on the podcast i like and i feel better after i did it yeah
1: because it's important to the people that are doing it to hear that feedback because we don't get that kind of feedback exactly
0: very good well before we take a break though you have uh thought of
1: the day i do and this thought of the day day. is still along the same lines because we have the same guest coming back that we had last week just continuing our conversation on public speaking and this random thought of the day is the human brain begins working the moment you are born and it never stops until you get up to speak in
0: public (laughs)
1: oh that's so true so true and our guest neil will have some tips on how to make sure our brain doesn't stop before we get up and speak in public
0: that's a really good we'll be right back
1: whether you're an entrepreneur, climbing the corporate ladder, or a work-from-home parent, you are a boss. Together, we are cultivating your personal and professional growth. Check out TeresaRanConsulting.com today to find out more about this movement.
0: All right, welcome back. It's part two
1: part two, and I'm glad to be back. And okay, I, I can't let it go, Bobby. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. Oh. So if you were listening at about six minutes in, you might oh he- have heard a little noise because Bobby's not going to take it out of the podcast. Okay. You know, yeah. as as working parents, there's often times where we find ourselves without anybody to watch our kids, and we got to go to work. And so that's one of Bobby's and Katie's situations tonight. And does Katie have your other child? She does. Yeah, okay, so divide they divided and conquered. Katie has one <laughs> child. We have Aiden here. Aiden, say hello. He's been a doll. Hi. He's probably afraid to speak now because he made a noise and his dad was like, "No, no, no!" Uh, but I said, "Come on, Bobby. That's it's the Boss Lady Podcast. If you're a parent, sometimes you just have to do what you got <laughs> to do to make it work." And the only other alternative was for you to call me today and say, okay, I've got the kids. I'm not coming. Mm-hmm. And this has been perfect, except for that one little. Yeah. He's been perfect for almost you an mean, hour and perfect, a half.
2: now, we well, to think and I made,
0: now yeah. yeah, I made more noise than he did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going
0: we're gonna to take <laughs> those <laughs> take out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so sorry, Neil, for making you wait through all of that. But I just thought that was a very important Lesson, uh, not that we want Aiden to talk anymore while we finish this, right, Aiden? You're right. He's shaking his head. So, I am going. Can I introduce Neil now? Am I very yeah. rambling? Okay. So tonight, True show. Just <laughs> sometimes I forget that. So Neil is back for the second time because talking about public speaking takes at least two times, if not more. But Neil Gordon helps experts become the face of a movement. He works with executives, influencers, and thought leaders, and has helped them get six-figure book advances, be seen on shows like Ellen and Dr. Oz. Prior to becoming a communications expert, he worked on the editorial staff of Penguin Random House, where he worked with New York Times best-selling authors. He has been featured on Forbes, Fortune, Inc.com, and NBC Palm Springs, and is a VIP contributor for Entrepreneur. So, welcome Neil, our communications expert. So welcome back, Neil. Episode two. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're glad to have you back because I didn't want to stop talking from episode one, but I knew we had some things that it was a natural transition to, to stop at episode one and encourage people to listen today. So I want to talk about your silver bullet strategy as it come uh, deals with speaking. So you want to tell us a little bit about that?
2: Absolutely. I am a huge fan of the show that used to be on some time ago called the West wing. Mm-hmm. I love all of it. It's like an Aaron Sorkin show. And right. he did the newsroom and a few good men and the social network, all these different movies and TV shows and stuff like that. And in the third season of the West wing, While President Bartlett, played by Martin Sheen, is running for re-election, a campaign consultant type person, played by Ron Silver, gets really mad at Rob Lowe's character, who's a member of the president's staff, because Rob Lowe gave some problematic advertisement that the opposition didn't have but wanted and stuff. He gave the tape to them and then it became free media and really was Problem for their campaign And Ron Silver's character Says to Rob Lowe's character, you forgot A fundamental thing That all of warfare is Deception Okay, and what Ron Silver's character was doing Was quoting Line 18 of The first chapter of the ancient Military treatise, The Art of War By Sun Tzu Right, Sun Tzu was this ancient Chinese military strategists, and Art of War is still read and quoted to this day. And it shows up in pop culture and all these things like the West Wing. And the reason why I've gone through all of that is because while Sun Tzu writes this whole book and there are all these tips and all these pieces of information throughout the book, at the heart of that one sentence is basically his secret sauce. If he had to take the entire book and distill it down to one sentence, one powerful recipe for everything else included in the book. It would be that one sentence, all of warfare is deception. And so what he has there is what we can call a silver bullet, which is taking all of your, all of your life expertise, all of the things you know about your topic, right? So Teresa, like all the work you do with your boss lady right. community, is all based on a body of expertise that you have. And so what this exercise becomes is distilling all of it down to that one simple statement. And the reason why it becomes so powerful is that the specific way that that sentence is constructed leads to these kind of epiphanous light bulb type moments where people suddenly get it and that empowerment of suddenly getting it makes them much more trusting of the material and much more willing to learn more to go deeper.
1: Yeah. You know, I worked with a marketing person to help come up with kind of a tagline, if you will, for Boss Lady, because Mm -hmm. I was struggling with, you know, putting out what exactly it is and actually working with uh, a speaking coach through another program. He Mm -hmm. kept talking about, you know, is it called alliteration where you have words that start with the same letter? Is that right? Right, Um, right. And we came up with now, when somebody asked me about Boss Lady, I'm able to say it's a group of women who come, like minded women who come together to embrace each other, empower each other, and educate each other. And -hmm. the first time I said that, women went, oh, yeah, tell me more about whichever one of those E's they were the most interested in. Mm -hmm. So it, Mm -hmm. it gave me a way of saying something quick that really was what we're all about in just a short way. And then people could ask questions so it it helped based on what they heard. Because that that statement, empower, embrace, educate, comes across different to different people. Um, Once you say it and stop talking, and then listen.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the thing that you're tapping into there, Teresa, is that different people are going to respond to different things. And combining that with what we talked about last week around adapting our message to different audiences and whatnot, what we have is an opportunity to tweak certain things in the message so that it fits more into different contexts. But if we understand the fundamental idea of what we're here to do, regardless of who we do it with, we can make that adaptation far, far easier on ourselves. We're able to say, oh, well, it's the same idea. I'm just going to word it slightly differently for this audience or that one or that one.
1: So can you give us an example, Neil, of how this silver bullet strategy, maybe how you used it with a obviously not by name, but with a specific client somewhere where you used this and it worked and they told you how it worked?
2: One time I was volunteering myself at a children's hospital. And it was a unique program because the the volunteers gifted books to the children while they stayed in the hospital and also went and read to them bedside, which was a good opportunity for me because I'm actually very theatrical. And so it was a great opportunity to break out a Roald doll book like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and put on a ridiculously <laughs> poor imitation of a British accent.
1: Yeah, I have to just, just tell to really the listeners.
2: Really the best. Yeah, yeah,
1: I, I got to tell the listeners here, go l- Google Neil and look at some of his mm-hmm. materials. So because you are theatrical, that's <laughs> what I loved about you. And probably why I signed up for one of your emails through stuff. So that's very true. If you're listening, when you get through this podcast, go. Go Google him and and get uh, get a YouTube and listen to it. So I'm sorry, but I wanted to throw that out there.
2: So go ahead with your oh, story. No, no worries, no worries. I, I I have no problem with you praising my <laughs> theatrical yeah. history, so I promise you that because <laughs> other people aren't as impressed. Frankly. <laughs> Happens to all, all of us. That was the worst right? Goddard accent I've ever heard. Like, okay. <laughs> anyway, so so another person who had a charming accent was the founder of that program. And she was my manager at the time. And I went in for my shift one day and she was all flustered and off and anxious because she was going to be giving a 10-minute presentation on the program to a group of employees of one of the companies that sponsored the hospital. And the reason why she was dreading it is because of how people typically responded to her talk in that they would just kind of glaze over and then at the end, they would just politely clap and she'd leave and she'd wonder why she even was asked to speak mm. because it didn't seem like it had any meaning at all. And again, she's from England. So she says, it's like, I'm boring the pencil every time I speak. <laughs> so anyway, I walked into the, I walked through the door into the reading room where all of our books were based and everything. And I noticed she was really flustered. I said, what's wrong? And she told me about the, the speaking opportunity. And I just said to her, would you like me to help you to work out what you need to say? And she said, yes. And we had a conversation about it. I sent her off and I saw her later that afternoon and asked her how it went. And she said, you could hear the pin drop from the moment she started speaking. And at the end, instead of just politely clapping, they rushed up to her with business cards. Mm. And they even invited her to apply for a grant. And the entire conversation we had earlier that morning lasted 2 minutes. In 2 minutes we just figured out a very basic 10 minute talk and it had that impact. And the question is how? How could such a short conversation have such a meaningful transform lead to such a mm-hmm. meaningful transformation in her speaking? And what I haven't told you yet is that she was actually a client of mine several weeks prior to that, because she was going to be appearing on cable TV and just knew about my messaging work and just wanted a little bit of help figuring out what it is that she was going to say. She just had a few seconds to say something while on TV, but we never really worked on her public speaking beyond that little bit in a short TV segment. And so the reason why we were able to create basically a talk from only a two-minute conversation, was because prior to that day, we had worked out for Silver Bullet. We had clarity as to how to encapsulate that entire program at the hospital in a single sentence. And through that clarity, I was able to say, oh, just say this here, say this here, say that there. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And then I sent her off, and that was it. Because that clarity was such an asset.
1: So when you and I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead.
2: I oh, it would, I just thought it would be, it would be interesting for them, for, for our listeners to know that the silver bullet itself was only three words long. It was that literacy can heal.
1: Oh, wow.
2: That's yeah. why the entire program existed, because of a belief that literacy can heal.
1: So you, and and that really answered my question, kind of, so you develop this silver bullet and then you wrap the rest of your talk around that, with that being more or less your your main focus or vocal point, if you will. Would that be how that works?
2: Exactly. Yeah. What we see with a lot of speakers, Teresa, is that they do more of what we can call the show up and throw up and that they might have <laughs> yeah. five steps or seven aspects of their work or something. I've seen so many keynotes like this, actually they're 45 minutes. And so they cram their entire body of expertise. Yeah. Like the whole book that they wrote and condense that whole book down to 45 minutes. And That just becomes, when you think about that visually, it just comes like a little diagram, like a little puddle jumper type of thing. Like, first we're going to do this topic, and then this one, and this one, and then this one. And it just kind of has this even-keeled tone throughout the entire presentation. Whereas with a silver bullet, you build the entire thing around it like you just asked, and even further still you build up to it like it's a crescendo, like it's a climactic moment in a movie. And you build up and you create anticipation with your audience and you build to it and build to it and then you reveal it. And because of the powerful nature of the silver bullet in and of itself, it makes good on the promise of whatever the audience was anticipating. So it truly becomes a climactic moment of understanding and then maybe after that, you provide some practical tips or something like that
1: yeah I like that I got to work on my silver bullets
0: <laughs> well clarity I mean it's such a great point clarity in whatever we do in life I'm, I work with a lot of small business owners and it's just how many times I walk into a business and there's just a lack of clarity so then your customers don't know what it is you're selling or what you're asking them to do and and clarity is just it's such a great point that, that uh, it, to boil it down is it, first you got to get rid of all the things that yeah that it's not (laughs) to get to to what Mm -hmm. it is right exactly exactly
1: well i was having a conversation with a friend today who has a business and her business has all these different pieces and so the reason that that popped in my mind we're talking about it's figuring out what's the clarity in her business doesn't mean they all have to be the same thing she can sell many different services but and it what it Brings to mind in this conversation, and I think you said this last time and, and tonight, is it this the impact your work has? Every, when I think about her lines of business that we were talking about in our mastermind group today, she has the same impact in every line of business. There's just a different way of delivering it. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so that's that's great messaging for me to take back to her. Um that would help give her some clarity on what she's doing. If she starts with what's the impact. So Neil, we talked about in the last episode, you know, anxiety and the fear of public speaking and all of those things. And I recently did a Facebook live in a career cultivators group that operate on this little thing called the imposter syndrome. And I saw that Mm -hmm. come across in one of your emails that I get from you recently. So Describe the imposter syndrome as it relates to speaking um, in your own words.
2: What a lot of us as experts struggle with is this sense that who are we to teach anybody about anything? Because when you pull back the curtain, you see different things going on that don't necessarily flatter Our expertise is like, we have off moments, we have struggles, we don't know everything. And because we feel we've fallen short, we are ultimately struggling to position ourselves, especially if we're sharing the stage with really big names or really famous people or something like that. Who am I to do this when so-and-so is doing that? And it reminds me of this old sitcom I watched in the 80s. Where it was based on a family, and the child, one of the children in the family, was done with school, even though she was only in fourth grade, and she wanted to quit school after fourth grade. And one of the parents said, "What are you going to do with a fourth grade education?" And she just thought for a moment. She said, "I'll teach third grade," <laughs> kind of thing. And it was it was a good moment, but yeah. it stays with me all these years later because expertise often is really just knowing enough that it takes whoever's hearing you, whoever's in your audience, whoever's listening to your content or consuming your content, it's just knowing enough to help them to get to whatever is next in their own journey. And if you are a fourth grade educated person, so to speak, and everyone around you is in third grade, then you might have some knowledge and how to get to the finish line of their third grade year. And maybe you're not necessarily the person to teach them how to get through high school, but you at the very least know enough to get them to the next thing. And again, circling back to that word impact, when we think about it in terms, not of what we know, but rather what they can get out of the things we're able to teach them, then it just becomes less about our feeling like a fraud and more about, Oh, this is the difference that I could make. It could just be as simple as a person having one little tip that they show up in their life differently moving forward. And that is enough to substantiate our presence in our, the role that we've played in, our, in their lives. There's a, there's a very famous old corny tip about people who are fearful of public speaking that you picture the audience in their underwear, yeah, yeah. which is so silly. And I'm sure I'm not the only person on this call right now who believes that fairly useless advice. But if we did that, like a twist on that old tip, and said instead, picture what your audience's life is going to be like after they've heard your con- consumed your content and consumed your message. That will help us to overcome imposter syndrome. That will help us say they could really benefit from hearing from me because look at what their life is going to be like on the other side of doing so.
1: Yeah, that's great advice. And I know this when I did my little thing on imposter syndrome, I was amazed at how many Women particularly said, oh, my gosh, that's me. And I didn't really know I had imposter syndrome. I just never felt really good enough to do fill in the blanks. Like, Well, we just gave it a name, mm-hmm. you know, and it, mm-hmm. it was it was one of my most watched little Facebook live mini trainings. And I was shocked at how many people didn't know, didn't know the word, but they knew they had were mm. suffering, if you will, from this. Yeah. And it and it's in anything it's speaking up at work is speaking up anywhere quite frankly. So Neil, could yeah. you can you give us maybe one, two, three tips that we or maybe that you use or that you give to some of your clients about things they can do to reduce their anxiety before they're taking the stage or before they're stand up, you know, I some of my women say if there's 20 of us in a group and they know we've asked everybody to stand up and, you know, give us a one minute elevator speech on who they are and what they do poor number 15 hasn't heard any of the other 14 because she's freaking out about being having to talk out loud. So what, right. what tips do you give somebody in one of your two-minute conversations like you have with the lady on dealing with that?
2: The first tip is actually one that's not too dissimilar from what other people might offer as well. And that's just, first of all, just taking a moment slow down the breathing and just inhale to the count of three and exhale to the count of six and do that a few times and just be very consciously deliberate about how the breath goes in and out because it is, I mean, it's a common tip because it is so effective at just re-regulating the system to let us out of that fire flight kind of synthetic nervous system state. And so just a, a few simple breaths breathing in, or three or two and then out for twice as many for a number that's twice as large, just winds up really being helpful in getting out of that more immediate sense of danger. Right.
1: right.
2: Now that's, that's something again that a lot of people might talk about, but it still is very helpful. So I wanted to give that, give, give voice to that idea in terms of the content itself. I encourage everyone to think about the problem that our audience cares about solving because people are most likely to embrace the solution, our message, our stuff, when it's provided within the context of a problem they mm-hmm. care about solving. So rather than start the elevator pitch with, I'm so-and-so and I'm a blank, you might say something like, often there are many, let's say in your case, there's so many women who struggle with imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. where they feel like they're not enough to have a voice at the table, something like that, right? right? And you start with the problem that they care about solving, both because it's going to engage them more, it's going to pique their interest because they will immediately relate to what you just said, but it also helps you to take the attention off yourself. Mm-hmm. It helps you to take put the attention on your audience which will, again, help to lessen the anxiety that surrounds the act of speaking up. And another tip that I can offer is really just to have a couple of key examples. Not not that you necessarily say this in your speaking, but rather you, you just present this to yourself more internally and say, who are a few people who are the best examples of what happens when I'm really in the zone, in my element and helping them? What does their life look like? What did their life look like before I helped them? What does it look like now? And just do a few little before and after exercises in your mind to remind yourself, I mean, like, especially with your audience, okay, so like how you're a badass. And yeah. it's just like, just remind yourself through a few examples, tell yourself that story if you different ways and that will help you to remember that if people don't hear from you then they're really losing out
1: that's actually great advice because i do have women all the time tell me what impact Lost lady has given on given them and the friendships they've made and the things they've learned but when i'm getting ready to stand up and speak i'm usually not thinking about them (laughs) (laughs) so i'm gonna put those three things the breathing part i get and that does help a glass of wine right before i speak else (laughs) but i guess we won't give that tip but (laughs) anyway so go ahead out
0: you're very much in command when you speak yeah you you might not want to do but you
1: do yeah it's not my favorite thing to do i'm actually listening to a podcast about introverts that are speakers right now so yeah i would never
0: guess you're nervous when you speak
1: yeah no thank you but yeah you had a question.
0: No, in terms of of uh, you know, in terms of nonverbal communication, it's hard to do. when We're on a podcast; yeah. I can't see you. But um, I mean, so much to that, right? There's so much to that, that that a lot of people don't pay much attention to it or give it much much credence. But uh, as we learn more and more about psychology, that's that's people are paying more attention to the nonverbal mm, than the verbal. Yeah. Mm, yeah. There. There. There's
2: a lot of there are there are a lot of studies, a lot of observations that have been made by experts over the year on how important verbal like nonverbal communication is. And I even think about there's a one conference that I've been to a couple of times, and one of the people who speaks at this conference will he well, he fails what I call the fast forward test, which is if you went back and watched a recording of his speech and you pressed fast forward, you would see him very frenetically go back and forth back and forth back and forth across the stage because he's just pacing back and forth oh, very wow. nervously yeah. and all of that and it's it's a tough bit because what that basically reveals is a level of anxiety about being in front of people without it necessarily coming out consciously and it just winds up being an opportunity to practice some of the things that we just talked about, especially the breathing in that regard. And a nice little tip is when you start a speech, you might take a moment to a moment's pause before you start and just take a look at everyone first. Because if you're feeling those heightened anxious emotions, but you start, Looking out at everyone and maybe practicing one of those forward breaths as you're looking out at them, then at the very least, you set a different tone for everything else that follows and helps you to feel more deliberate command of the space.
1: I've seen that done actually, and that's really it's powerful because they come up and you expect them just to all of a sudden open their mouth and they stand there for just a second, and everybody's like, "Oh, wait, what are they going to say? Where's the joke? When are they going to start talking?
2: (laughs)
0: Where's the joke? Yeah,
2: do they know they're on stage? What's going on?
1: (laughs) (laughs) They know they're supposed to be talking. Wake them up. (laughs) Yeah, but it's pretty powerful because all of a sudden all eyes are on them, you know, and and they've Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they're probably doing that to collect themselves, so. Well, Neil, this has been great. I knew that we could talk about this subject forever because all you have to do is look through a list of podcasts and, and see or go online or whatever that people are always wanting to work on becoming a better uh, public speaker, whether it's being able to speak up in meetings or you know being a keynote or just speaking in public in general. Uh, because mm-hmm. I, I think we all know it's something that a lot of people are literally deathly afraid of um mm-hmm. you know i have three children and two of them said don't ever ask <laughs> me to stand up and talk in public and then the other <laughs> one is like oh, i'm fine mom i'll you know talk about anything so yeah um, but those two that are afraid of it are absolutely just devastated to have to get up in front of people so yeah. it's a very real thing and i know that's what you work with clients on And you've been doing that for a while, as we talked about in your bio. But I really thank you for taking time with us. And I want to ask you a couple of what we call random questions. We didn't do it in the first episode because we knew we were going to be talking to you again. So these are just questions that I'm going to ask. And you give me the first quick answer off the top of your head. What one piece of advice would you give your younger self?
2: My parents screamed and yelled at each other pretty much every day mm. from a fairly early age straight up through high school and well into past college for me and all of that. And one day, and what they would also do is recruit me for their war, and they would always put me in the middle and yell, like, you know, yeah, trash the other one to me and try to recruit me and, and all of that. And it felt awful the entire time, but it wasn't until I was 25 when I told them to Stop recruiting me for your war. You're not allowed to do that anymore. Mm. So my advice would be, tell them to stop now when you're 10 years old, and you'll spare yourself a lot of pain. Mm.
1: That's actually great advice. It's, um, yeah. I think we all either had families like that or no yeah. families like that, right? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. good advice. Are you a book reader or music listener or both?
2: Oh, I'm both. I'm both. I'm between books right now. I just finished one, and I'm been more in a podcast listening mode right now. But in terms of music, I'm kind of obsessed right now. It's kind of almost related to my first answer to your first question. I'm kind of obsessed with late 80s pop music, which is so random. But it is random. <laughs> it, it's so bizarre. I'm like, what am I doing listening to this? But I know why I'm listening, because that's when my world no longer was safe. It was when the bullying started oh, like yeah. sixth grade and stuff. And I'm just hungry to reconnect with the sense memory associated with that time to excavate any of the old gunk that's still in my system. And so I have just found some kind of ironic piece in re-listening to the music that was popular at the time. And so that's what I'm listening to right now. Like how much Richard Marks can you really listen to is really the question. <laughs>
1: We have two music buffs (laughs) here, so we all, they, especially, I love music, not like these two guys do, and music can take you back and heal you and make you feel things, right?
0: Well, Um, Richard Marks take you a whole (laughs) other place.
1: (laughs) I don't even know who that is. See, now I'm going to have to go find it.
0: No, I had a bunch of big hits, yeah. I had
1: three children in the 80s, so if it wasn't a lullaby, I wasn't playing at my house in my defense. So what is the... What is the one trait you consider essential to your success?
2: I always say it's my curiosity.
1: Mm, That's a good one. I don't think we've had that one before. Yeah, it's really good. I like that.
2: I I just love hearing about other people's world. So when I get onto a sales or discovery call, it's not really a sales call. It's just a conversation where I get to find out about another person. And I honestly want to. So it really winds up being essential to everything else that happens. That's
1: great. So where can we find you, Neil? What's one or two places we can find you if our listeners want to know more about you?
2: The best place is really just my website, where you can go to com, And right there on my homepage is the speaker quiz, which which I talked about in the last episode. And you can interact with a bunch of different things there. And you can, of course, follow me on Facebook and all that. Yeah. I have a, a Facebook page and everything like that too, but most of it comes from my website. Because opting in, as you said last week, Teresa, you started getting my emails and you stayed on the list. Yeah, there's something there. That's right. Really, I have not unsubscribed, have and now fun. I certainly You're... won't unsubscribe because you know who I am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm forever a fan.
2: <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Uh, but yeah, the, the email list is really where the most value comes
1: yeah, from. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the most present well neil thank you so much it's always nice to connect with someone through almost an accident or or just the perfect time and i know i have a page full of notes here that i'm going to use for an upcoming retreat i'm having where i'm going to be doing a lot of talking and you gave me some good advice as i'm sure you did our listeners in episode one and two so thank you my friend for being on really enjoy getting to know you a little better
2: And thank you both for having me. I enjoyed the conversation very much as well. Yeah,
1: and I'm going to end this show the way I end all of my shows with a saying my grandfather told us um, all the time until he passed away. And he always said, take time to stop and smell the roses. So until we meet again, take care.